Hi friends, welcome to the Relationship 411 podcast. I'm Jennifer, a certified life coach that specializes in relationships. I'm a mom of four awesome kids, a podcaster, world traveler, Netflix watcher, yoga doer, fashion merchandiser, and an Instagrammer. I want to help you with your relationships, mainly your relationship with yourself, your family, and God. Thanks for listening and letting me share the tools I have learned that can help you in this journey we call life. Hey friends, I'm so excited to be with you today. First of all, I just wanted to let you know, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. Please share with your friends and family. It means a lot. And also, um, if you leave a review on Apple or iTunes or wherever you're listening to my podcast, be sure to also email me at jennifer at relationship411podcast.com to let me know that you did leave a review because I have a review from Oak Ridge 97. So Oak Ridge, if you are listening, um, that's the country club. So I don't know if um, who that is. But anyways, if you email me and let me know, hey, that was me, um, I will send you a $5 Starbucks gift card. And we are so close to 10,000 downloads. I know I said that in a few episodes ago, but we are really getting closer. And so I'm hoping before summer ends that we will have 10,000 downloads and that will just be exciting for me. Anyways, so thanks again for listening. So this past weekend, our daughter got married and it was very exciting. It was a beautiful ceremony and reception and everything really went beautifully. And I've been pondering it. It's been an interesting um, year for us because I got divorced. So getting divorced and having your first daughter get married in the same year seems rough, (laughs) seems difficult. But I've, of course, been doing a lot of work on myself and trying to make sure that I didn't get away in my feelings um, and focus just on my daughter. And so as I've been thinking this past weekend of the beautiful bride and groom, my daughter and new son-in-law, I just wanted to offer some advice to them as well as for anyone else that's a newlywed or you've been married for 20 years and you just need to like freshen up your marriage. And of course, this isn't all inclusive. There's lots of marriage advice. Every bridal shower that you go to has a little card that says, you know, what advice would you give your um, this person? And some of the advice that people give, in my opinion, is terrible. And some of it's really good. So um, this is my advice that I am going to give my daughter and new son-in-law. And first of all, I wanted to start off In the model that I teach, your spouse is your circumstance, which means that is a neutral thing. And I think that's really hard sometimes because we think our spouse is making us angry or hurting us or making us feel happy or whatever. And if you can make it neutral, it can really take all the drama out of your marriage relationships. And the other thing is if you can get your thought to create the feeling of love, your life is going to be so much better and your relationship is going to be so much better. And it's going to create the best results in your marriage. And sometimes love, though, is a hard emotion to get to. But just being aware and knowing you are the creator of your thoughts will make all the difference. And it's going to let you have a more successful marriage. So just remember, we can't blame our spouse for what we're thinking and how we're feeling, even though it feels like it should be that way. 
Anyways, so with that being said, I'm going to give you my top 10 success tips for marriage. Number one, always tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I just think a lot of times that we think, oh, it's going to hurt their feelings. Um, It's going to make them uncomfortable. It's going to make me uncomfortable. They don't really need to know that. But the things that I've learned the past 26 years of being married and the importance of telling the truth is always right. Even if it makes someone cry or mad or upset, telling the truth is the best policy. And also learning to speak your truth because sometimes your wife or husband might ask you why you're late for work, coming home from work. They've made dinner. Um, they were expecting you. They had somewhere to go. And you say, I just was running late. Or you blame it on like the traffic or whatever. But just make sure you get very clear and say exactly why you were late. And if you're the spouse wondering why your spouse was late coming home from work, be very clear of why you wanted to know that. You know what, babe? I had made dinner. I had a function to go to. Um, I needed help with the kids. And it really hurt my feelings when you showed up an hour late without letting me know. And so I think owning what your truth is, why you're upset, as well as why you needed to know that. And I think obviously that's communication. If you forget to pay a bill, owning, hey, babe, I forgot to pay the power bill. That's why our power got turned off. And I'm really sorry. These are the things that I'm planning on doing so it doesn't happen again. As opposed to blaming or lying, saying it got lost in the mail, or I sent the payment. We've all heard that before, like I sent the check. Well, probably not my daughter because no one uses checks these days. But anyways, you know, so just being honest about stuff like that. Um, Did you load the dishwasher and then lie about it? And then obviously we're going to know you lied about it um, when we come home and see all the dishes in the sink Um, because you got distracted playing video games or on your phone or scrolling Facebook or golfing or watching TV or whatever you were doing. So I just think it's important to be aware when you are making sure you keep your commitments and are honest when you do. And if you don't, you own up to those. If someone asks, can I go out with my friends tonight? The person asking, make sure you're honest. Check inside. Is it okay if my husband goes out? It is, but hey, can you also help me do fold these clothes or whatever? I need you to do this, this, and this. Be honest in what you need, so your needs are getting met as well as your spouse's needs. So, and there's a myriad of other reasons why we need to be honest, but I just think it keeps you both accountable to each other and especially to yourself. Especially when you have kids, um, it's going to be so important because kids need to feel safe, and how they feel safe is if they know they can trust their mom and dad. Number two, go on dates often and have fun together. I think making this a priority is so important, and especially after you have kids. Remember, you're always a couple first. Guard your relationship. Take turns exploring and trying new things and step out of your comfort zone. And I don't mean you need to do this every week to do something crazy or different or 
You might have a favorite restaurant. I know couples that literally for 20 years have been going out to dinner on Friday at a restaurant. If that is you and your spouse, that is great. If that isn't, then figure out a good balance. But you might have a few favorite restaurants that you like to go to. But I think it's important. It doesn't need to be expensive. Even going on walks and pushing your babies in strollers is still a way to connect. And I think if you can find a way, five minutes, 10 minutes to connect with each other every day through text message or phone call or um, just at night, that is important. But make sure you make yourself a priority. Even if it's a half hour, an hour, life gets busy when you have kids or when you're going to school full-time, working full-time, doing all those things. But just make it a priority, put it in your calendar, plan ahead, and make sure it happens. Don't let someone else or something else take the place of your date night. And if that's the case, make sure you have the conversation. Because, of course, emergencies come up, things unplanned come up. There could be a myriad of reasons, but always try to make sure you keep a time sacred for you and your spouse. Number three, divide and conquer. So I think couples these days are actually so much better at this. They aren't like, this is a woman's job and this is a man's job. I think most couples recognize that, no, guys can clean and cook and girls can weed and mow the lawn or whatever. So I would say... Talk about your strengths, things that you like to do, things that you don't like to do. And hopefully those don't necessarily match up. They're different. So someone might love grocery shopping but hate cooking. Play on each other's strengths as opposed to saying, no, you have to do this or you have to do that. And sometimes roles aren't traditional and that's okay. Because as a family, you're a couple and then you start having kids and you need to work together and help each other out. It could be someone is going to school and maybe during the week you wake up every night with the baby, but then your spouse on the weekends gives you a break and does that. So just make sure you have the communication and it doesn't have to be all or none. And maybe three days a week he cooks and three days a week you cook and one night a week you go out to eat. Anyways, but I think having these conversations is so important as opposed to expecting what the other person is doing. If you expect it, you're always going to get disappointed because that person might not meet your expectations. Also, don't keep track. Don't keep track of, well, he did the laundry for five days this month and I've done it the rest of the month. You're just going to be disappointed all the time. Because sometimes in your life, you're going to have to do more of the heavy lifting and then the other person might not, if you're going to call it, I don't know, heavy lifting, but doing chores or more of the things. It just depends. We all have, we ebb and flow in our life and you might be sick or pregnant or if you had to be on bed rest or something, your spouse might have to step up a bit more. Anyways, but don't, don't keep track because there's no point in that. Life isn't meant to be fair or even as long as you both feel heard and seen and loved and that you're um, getting your needs met, I think is the most important thing. Number four, keep some autonomy from each other. I think sometimes in our marriage, we think, oh, we have to do everything together. We have to be everything for each other. We have to do everything for each other. And that is 
not right at all. The words from Jerry Maguire, um, you complete me, that he says in that movie are total BS. Because a person cannot complete another person. A person is whole by themselves, and then their spouse or partner is also whole. But sometimes we need other things in our life that our spouse doesn't have to offer or isn't interested in. Your spouse may hate shopping, but you love shopping. So you want to bring your sister or your friend and go shopping, and you get that need met of shopping. But don't expect your spouse to want to come shopping with you and have the same excitement and need that fulfills you. You're going to be disappointed. Just like maybe your spouse hates to golf and you love golfing, well, maybe have some friends that you can go golfing with. So I just think in our society, we somehow have this vision that our spouse has to meet all of our needs, and that is not possible. Have hobbies and interests outside of your marriage. And make sure you pay attention to self-care, and especially when you start having kids. You have to fill your own bucket up first before you can fill anyone else's bucket. And I think I've done a podcast on this. And I think maybe in my mind, I might disagree with some things I said in that podcast. But the main thing is, is really you have to fill up your own bucket. You can't expect your spouse to fill up your bucket. Of course, we want them to, and they're going to. But if you're not filling up your own bucket, you can't expect anyone else to do that for you. So you need to work on figuring out your self-care, what makes you recharge and regroup and make, you know, it's of course you want to help your husband or wife also recharge and regroup. Be supportive of that. Know that you cannot meet all of their needs and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. We in our society kind of teach one way. But in reality, it is the other way. So realize your spouse cannot meet all your wants and needs, and you need to go outside. And when I say outside of yourself, I do not mean with another woman or another man. I mean with a friend, a brother, a sister, a mom, or dad. And if you have sexual needs that are not getting met, you need to have communication. You need to talk about it. You need to have that open dialogue if you need to get a therapist. There's so much help out there. There's so many Instagram and websites and podcasts you can listen to and workbooks you can order. Um, ask around. You're going to you know, Google that, and you're going to get help in all areas of your life because there are certain things, especially sex, in my opinion, that should only be between a man and a woman that are married. And so if you're feeling anything, you know, not getting met or your needs not met, please have that conversation with each other. Number five, it's okay to disagree. This is another one I think our society gets wrong is like, oh my gosh, if you fight, like that's bad. No, of course. Who wants to be married to someone that agrees with everything that they have to say? I think it's kind of healthy to have disagreements. And to have different opinions, you don't want to be married to someone that's just like you. We want to have um, and be able to feel safe expressing those different opinions and disagreements as we don't want to be yelling about them or fighting about them. But I think it's definitely healthy and okay to have disagreements. And I also did a podcast on this fighting fair. And I think having that conversation before you're in a fight, it's okay to have a fight and argument. We, of course, don't want to be yelling at each other, 
or throwing things or being belittling, but having the conversation and giving yourself and your partner permission, hey, if this gets too heated, let's take a 10-minute break, regroup, and come back together. And then also the famous, you know, don't go to bed angry. Okay, that is wrong because most people, when they're tired or hungry, do not think clearly, do not process, do not have nice things to say to each other. So sometimes you might need to sleep on it. And when you wake up, chances are you've forgotten what you were fighting about. And if you didn't, you can have a more adult conversation as opposed to fighting like two four-year-olds and being more childish instead of being more adult in your disagreement. Number six, happiness and validation need to come inside yourself first. So you have to, you cannot expect your spouse to make you happy or to validate you and tell you you're amazing all the time. Of course, those are added bonuses and chances are you want to tell your spouse you did an amazing job, you're awesome, I love you, and you feel lots of happiness and validation. However, it has to start with inside you first. You get to make you happy. And I think our society, every movie that you watch, the other person has to make you happy. And if they don't, then you're miserable. Well, that leaves you with no power. You give all your power to your spouse to control if you're happy or not. And just because they're having a bad day does not mean you have to have a bad day with them. Actually, it's better if you don't. If you don't, sometimes we mirror each other, but instead try to keep yourself in a good space. And it's okay if they have a bad day. It's okay if they're stressed out. Just because they're stressed does not need to make you stressed. And so, and this goes along with your kids too. A lot of times there's a saying like, you're, the mom is happiest as her most miserable child. And I'm like, that's a terrible way to think about it. Because if your child is miserable, the last thing they need is a miserable mom. And so they need a mom that is strong and that can help them get out of their pit of despair. And so they don't need someone to be in their pit of despair with them. They're already very content on their own. So just be mindful of that, that realizing like, okay, if you're not feeling happy, look inside yourself instead of saying, wait, why isn't my spouse making me happy? Because that just leads to lots of blaming and shaming. So look inside, hey, what's going on for me? Why am I not feeling happy? And honestly, we don't feel happy 100% of the time. Life is full of lots of mixed emotions, and you can feel all of them in one day. You can have a great day, and then the next day is not a great day. And that's okay. That's part of life. That's part of living, and that's okay to have those good and bad days. Number seven. You both have different operating systems. So I think I've learned this as I've been doing life coaching. And it's like you usually marry like someone has an Apple operating system and someone has a Microsoft operating system. And in our minds, we're like, why aren't we communicating correctly? Well, because we have different, our minds are different. Our brains are wired differently. We are two unique human beings And so we have two different brains. We were raised with two different families. Um, We have two different communication styles. And I think so many times people want to say, like, well, you're not communicating correctly with me. 
Well, there isn't a right or wrong way to communicate. You might have to learn how to communicate with your spouse, and it's going to take practice. And it doesn't mean either one of you are right or wrong because you have two different operating systems and you need to kind of create your own operating system and figure it out. And that's going to take time, energy, patience, and love to do that. And so just make sure you remember there isn't a right or wrong way of doing this. And it's just different. If you can focus on the difference, like, oh, this is just different. I'm going to figure this out. Because we wouldn't get mad at a computer if we're giving it a new application and it's, you know, it just has to figure it out. It just takes time. I don't know anything about creating an app on a computer, but it just, it makes sense to me that like, because if you've had, I've had both Microsoft and Apple, and sometimes they don't mix well, or you have to like, oh, I can only fill out this form on Google Chrome. I can't fill it out on Apple. Anyway, so I just think that's great, great information to remember. Number eight, compliment more than criticize. So I read research. This was from someone from Harvard, so they obviously were smart. Um, But you really need five positive things to one negative to have a healthy marriage. And I'm sure most marriages hopefully are more positive than negative, but I guarantee there's a lot of criticism going on in marriage. And so focusing on the negative is never a way to win and develop a good marriage. Of course, negative things are going to happen, but always try to focus on the positive. And especially with your kids, this goes on with your kids as well as your spouse, to always make sure you're trying to say the positive before maybe a negative thing needs to be said. If your spouse does criticize you, listen to the critique and think if anything that they had to say was true. Because chances are sometimes when someone critiques us, it may be true or part of it may be true. You may be okay, like, but instead of getting defensive, acknowledge the part that you believe could be true and then try to work on changing that. And you can verbally or internally do that and then disregard the rest of what they had to say. Because just because they said it does not mean it's true. They could be wrong about you in some way. Number nine, don't use never and always when speaking to each other. So absolutes are never a good idea. You never cook dinner. Chances are that is not true. Chances are they cook dinner a lot, but for whatever reason, our brain likes the one time they didn't. They can only focus on that one time, and they like to say, you never cook dinner. So that's very hurtful and a not kind thing to say. We never have sex. Chances are that's not true. And some people, I'm sure there's a few people out there that really believe that, but chances are maybe it's not frequent enough, maybe it's not creative enough or whatever. But when you say we never have sex does not make your spouse want to have sex with you. So just be mindful And say, oh, actually, we do, but hey, I would like to have sex more often or have the conversation. You are always late. Chances are they're not always late. But when you tell someone they're always late, it creates a lot of shame and blaming, and it does not make them want to be on time. Another one I thought of was you always sleep in. Same thing. So someone's not going to want to be getting up and getting ready and if you're telling them they always sleep in. The last one that I thought of is have a healthy relationship with extended family and friends. 
And um, this, this was probably for me, but I think you need to put your marriage and your spouse and family first. I see a lot of families get muddled in lots of negativity and lots of problems and lots of fighting when the in-laws overstep their boundaries or like the husband or the wife also oversteps their boundaries and want to spend all their time with their mom or dad or their siblings or whatever. So really create that special bond with you and your spouse as well as your kids and make sure that you have different boundaries. And you might say, you know what, we're only going to come over to your house once a month for Sunday dinner. That's all we want. And if if your in-laws can't handle that, that's on them. That is not on you. So just talk about these boundaries as well as boundaries with the opposite sex. Make sure you have the conversation. Hey, is it okay if I go to lunch with a female coworker? Think about that. There could be some that you're like, oh, she's 80 years old. Sure, go to lunch with her. Um, oh, no, she's a 25-year-old, um, really good-looking, perfect body in your mind. Absolutely not. So have those conversations because if you don't have the conversation, someone may have a different value system or assume that it is okay to do that, and that is not always the case. You need to make sure you create those boundaries together. So these are the top 10 things that I came up with. If you have anything else you'd like to share, I'd love for you to send me an email, Jennifer at Relationship 411 Podcast. And let me know what you think is a great thing, a marriage tip. I'd love to hear it and have a great day. If you want more relationship tips, email me at jennifer at relationship411podcast.com so you can get on my email list. And also you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at relationship411podcast. I promise to give you the 411 about relationships so you don't have to call 911 for yours.